And it happened in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized in the Jordan by John. And immediately, as he was stepping up out of the water, he saw the sky split and the Spirit as a dove descending to him. And there was a voice from the sky. You are my son, the beloved one, in you I delight. And immediately the Spirit cast him out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness forty days, being tested by Satan. And he was with the wild animals, and the angels helped him. Did you find yourself in the wilderness, wondering what's to go on around you? What's taking place in this desert land? And a lot of times we wonder, what is our wilderness? Our spiritual separation from God, where we cry out and we want and we desperately need that nourishment, that water, that, that spiritual quench from God. Where do you find yourself this day? As we come and reflect upon the cross of Christ, we reflect upon our own mortality. We find ourselves in this season of Lent, which began this past Wednesday and continues until Easter, and we prepare ourselves, but what are we preparing for? We want... We desire, we need a deeper relationship with God. Something to draw us in. Something to focus our heart's attention. But, but we look at the world around us and, and the world pulls us apart. The world separates us from the focus and the heart of God. What is your wilderness? Where are you desolate and broken? No fruit, no leaves. What is causing you this separation, this anxiety and worry? What in your life? You see, our gospel lesson this morning is the temptation of Jesus found in the gospel of Mark. <coughs> You've heard the temptation story before, right? Maybe the ones from Luke or from Matthew. They speak of Jesus being separated and out in the wilderness for 40 days and not eating anything. And then the devil is there, Satan is there and says, command these rocks to turn into bread. And Jesus replies, man does not live by bread alone. You know, if we're hungry... We just drive up and down the street. We could easily find something to eat, right? We can quench that desire, that hunger within us. The temptations of Jesus continue in the other Gospels of, of Luke and of Matthew, and it takes him to the highest point in the temple, to the, to the steeple of the church, and he's, the Satan says, jump, for the angels will catch you. And Jesus tells him in those Gospels that we're not to put God to the test. There's times in our life we've done that, right? There's times in our life where we have put God to the test. God, and I remember doing this, maybe you were there, if you just let me get an A, 
I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll pray. I'll do this. God, if you, you just give me, it's the if you, if you just, then I will. And the final temptation of Jesus in the Matthew and Luke's gospel, Satan takes him to the highest point of the mountain. And he says, all the kingdoms below can be yours if you just bow down and worship me. Jesus gets upset, gets angry, and says, get out of here. Get behind me. Get away from this place. I don't know how much of a temptation that might be for us, right? You too can be president of all these kingdoms. Maybe that, that's not me. Maybe you. I just don't have that desire. So I don't really know exactly how to relate to the temptation narratives in Matthew's gospel and in Luke's gospel. These temptations for me are not extreme. Are they for you? Your hunger, your jumping from the highest point, your your reigning over a kingdom, those, those to me, I might miss the point. But Mark's gospel hits home. Mark's gospel is much shorter. Have you noticed? You don't have the three-part narrative. You heard the story proclaimed when Jesus to this place and, and he was baptized. And when he came up out of the river, it says the sky split and a voice spoke. And it speaks in to the heart of God. It doesn't speak to us. It doesn't speak to you and me. It speaks to Christ. And it says, you are my son, my beloved. And then Jesus is taken out into the wilderness. And the animals and the angels care for him. There's power in that, right? There's power in knowing that, that even in your, your loneliness, your, your most alone and dark times, we could always pet an animal, right? You see, in this time and, and in this talk, a lot of us, what we do is we tend to say that, that I don't relate to the temptations of Jesus, that maybe temptation just doesn't matter that much to Mark. But I think it's a different matter. In asking the question, it appears that we tend to give more weight to maybe the baptism of Jesus and the focus of that than this brief line where he's in the wilderness being tested by Satan. We all have temptations within us. What tempts Jesus? What tempts you? You see, Jesus' baptism matters for Jesus' temptation. Because in that moment is when God rips apart the heavens and the Spirit descends, the Spirit speaks into God's heart, into His Spirit of who He is. The Spirit is there. It seems that no resistance of temptation is successful without the presence of God. And that lies our promise this day. 
It's not necessarily that we have the power to to defend or or deflect temptation. Not that, that we are capable of taking on Satan ourselves in the wilderness, or at least I know I'm not. Not so much that baptism is our guarantee that will shore up the walls to keep out that which seeks to threaten our belief, our trust, and our relationship with God. It's now. It's now. All the battles with evil, that which tempts us. The game has changed because we know God is present. Do you hear what God spoke to Jesus in that day? You are my son, the beloved one. In you I delight. We're not asked to do this on our own. We're not asked to deal with the temptations of life, the worry, the the stress, the things that we can stack against all odds. It can be one major misinterpretation of giving things up for Lent. That we are physically capable of doing this. God tears away our every attempt to say, while I appreciate your help, God, I've got this. I can figure it out. We, at times, don't want help. We like things the way they are. We like our order. We like our structure. We like what we can do. We don't want to ask for help. In our heads, we think that help is a sign of insecurity. That we're exposing our weakness. But more so, when it comes to issues of faith, we say that it thwarts our ability to push away sin. But that's where Jesus' temptation in Mark should shatter all our carefully constructed words, or at least the ones we create in front of other people, right? Jesus goes into the wilderness not with the conviction of success, but only because he knows that God has chosen to rip to shreds any boundary, any structure, any denomination, any doctrine that would separate him from God. He enters into the wilderness only, only with the promise of God's presence. Not with fighting skills, not with self-help strategies, not with techniques for passing those tests, but only with his personal knowledge because of God's direct words to him alone that God will be there. For us to think of the temptation of Jesus in Mark, it's our task, our duty to, to not offer just this list of temptations we deal with. To not offer the temptations of of stress, of worry, of finance, of of wanting to get ahead, of of alcoholism, of of cardiac rehab, of, of not taking care of ourselves. All the temptations that we can list 
that place us up above God. But this time, this place is for us to look beyond this and realize that God is in the midst of our darkest places. I remember, I remember so clearly my, my wilderness. The time where I was questioning every single thing I knew about God. I was a minister. I was a pastor in Columbus. And Jonathan had brain surgery. Handled that okay. Four days later, he has gallbladder surgery. You, you can live without that. That same day, after gallbladder surgery, we come back to the emergency room, and he's got blood clots in both lungs. And that was my darkest moment. It was 3 a.m. in the morning. He's passed out because they don't want him to move for fear of him dying. His mom's asleep, laid over one of his arms, and I am furious. I am broken. Everything within me is just screaming at God. I questioned everything I'd studied, everything I've written about evil and the existence of God in the world, everything I even spoke in my interviews, becoming an elder, everything I knew about God was coming into question in that moment because of the potential perceived whatever in my head, death of my husband. And God speaks... through people who are willing to serve. Because a nurse came in. And in that moment, he wasn't taking care of my husband, but he was taking care of me. And I praise God every day for people who live out their professions, whatever that is, giving glory and honor to God. Because that nurse ministered to me in a way deeper than any pastor ever has. He brought me a cup of coffee and a cookie. And for some reason, that was enough for me to breathe. That was enough for me to take a step outside of my darkness and realize I wasn't alone in this life. The presence of God was washing over me. And my God is big enough to take my screaming, my cussing, my yelling, my questioning, my everything I threw at Him. We serve a God big enough to handle it. I gotta think that in those days where Jesus was in the wilderness with the temptations of Satan upon him, he may have been questioning life, motives, direction, focus for what he's to do. 
We're in the season of Lent. And maybe within that, that involves us questioning things within us. What is your heart's focus these days? What draws your attention away from God? That's one side. And then compartmentalized over here, what's your wilderness? What's that place where you feel the darkest? Because I think at times they could be different. But in the Gospel of Mark, they merge because it's where we think God is not present. The greatest temptation that we all face is the temptation to think God is not here. We are tempted to believe that God is absent, that God has given up, that God has withdrawn from my life. Why? Well, you name it. Any reason that you could put, there could be a whole host of reasons. We think that God has, has left us in the death of a family, a spouse, a child. That God has left us in the diagnosis of, of cancer or, or others. That God has left us when our jobs are in turmoil, when, when the money is not there at the end of the month, when we worry about making ends meet, of feeding our family, when we worry what tomorrow looks like and we question whether God is there. We have the greatest of temptations in saying He's gone. You don't need a laundry list. You've got them in your life. We know that we're not worthy of God's love. We know that if we're honest, in some of those most excruciating times, we feel that God is silent. In this text, taken from Mark chapter 1, the first Sunday of Lent, I unapologetically, without any doubt, want you all to hear that God is present in it all. We will not have the same temptations as Jesus And naming Jesus' temptations as some sort of comfort in our experience of the same implies that we can get through whatever it is, right? Because Jesus got through this, we can get through this. We are not Jesus. Jesus did this without sin. I'm tempted with one thing, and Lord, bring the chocolate is what goes in my life. You know, I fall short. I fail. The point of contact is not necessarily that Jesus was tempted without sin. I don't believe that that's helpful right now in our lives. But I can look at Jesus' temptation, whatever it is, whatever it turns out to be, and I can say that God was there. God is present In other words, 
What if we focus less on listing the things that tempt us, less on the the pep talk that we can give ourselves, that we can deny all those so-called things that that seek us out to get the golden calf, less on on giving up the so-called temptations of our life and focus on true denial of that which tempts us the most. The temptation to say that God is gone. That He has left. You see, I think if we're honest with ourselves, we all find ourselves in the wilderness. And we wonder where there's any fruit, any growth, any way that we are changing toward God. 